are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Tonight, and if you'll bear with me for a few moments, you'll listen on purpose, and I hope the scripture will help us to pay careful attention these few moments we're together. I want to identify what I think is the missing ingredient in most Christians' lives. We refuse to add this word to our vocabulary, and without this word, we'll never have the blessing of God. It's a difficult word because we do not want to place all confidence in God. We want to handle the situation. And when we avoid this word, we then begin to govern our lives and make decisions by emotions and by feelings and sometimes by anger and sometimes with retaliation and by hurt. Sometimes we make it through the victim mentality but we've rejected God's plan for decision-making. God's plan is never to make a decision out of fear. God's plan is never to make a decision out of just mere emotion or feelings. Today, I'll guarantee it all across America, people have rotated churches, not because of thus saith the Lord, but because I was offended, I'm hurt, I'm upset, I was neglected. They don't like me. They don't ask me to sing. I, I don't like this person that sings. I don't like this situation. I, I don't li- like that they never choose me. And we rotate churches based on our feelings. We rotate our churches because we're mad at one another. But in life, we do the same with marriages. I'm mad at my wife, so I leave my wife, and I'll get another wife, or I'll get another one, or I'll get another one. But we're making decisions based on anger, and based on bitterness, and based on, on, on emotions and feelings. The missing ingredient, and we'll see it tonight, the missing ingredient is a little word called faith. Faith is completely believing and trusting God and knowing that God has a plan. I think sometimes we say, okay, I'll develop faith in my life, and that means I pray, dear God, dear God, dear God, I need this, I need this, I'll use this, dear God, will you do it? And then God doesn't do it and say, I'm done. Faith does not mean you get everything like a genie bottle, what you ask for. Faith means that you can take the nose too. I give the illustration because we just had the, the uh, anniversary of Revival Time broadcast, but it took 31 years of praying for a 15-minute broadcast. And not only did God give us on that day 13 years ago a 15-minute broadcast, he gave us a 24-hour station, a day station, and he gave us over 100 stations on one day, but it took 31 years. And 31 years, God kept saying, no, 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 no. It gets wearisome. But faith doesn't mean that we get everything we want the way we want it. And I prayed to God that he would salvage my marriage and God didn't do it. You know, sometimes there's human will and sometimes someone has a hard heart and says, I'm not bringing her back to my life. I'm not bringing her back in. I refuse. And whatever God's doing, we still say, well, he didn't bring my wife back. I'm done with God. That's foolish. 
God is not someone we boss around. You do this, I'll do this. God is God. And tonight we see the absence of faith in the Christian life. But faith is totally believing God. Totally believing God. That God knows the right path for my life. Nothing ever touches me, but it's been filtered through the hand of the Heavenly Father. God knows everything. God knows, and we've experienced a few deaths this week and recently in our church, and God knows. God, God knows today he's gonna take me home, and God knows today he's gonna take you home. God knows how he will take me home. Heart attack or stroke or cancer or car accident or plane accident. God has it all figured out. 32 years ago this last week, I was driving right here on De La Cruz. I almost hit this property here, came to this property. We didn't own it yet, but I got to the tennis courts and I heard on KCBS radio, Evangelist Lester Roloff's plane just went down in a field in Texas and he died and perished. That was 32 years ago. God had a plan for his life. That was the day, his appointed time. I don't understand all the will of God, but my job is not to keep God hostage. I'm not gonna come back and live for you until you give me some answers, until you make things the way I want them done. God wants us to have faith. Faith is total confidence in God. The word faith in the New Testament is found 152 times in the Old Testament. It's the word trust. Trust in the Lord. They're synonymous terms, trust and faith. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. I can trust Jesus. I can trust Jesus. I can trust him. I can't have confidence in him. I can't have, I can't have faith in him. I can't have trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. By introduction, some statements I wanna make based on the scripture. I want you to see in the Bible, just by way of introduction, there's a requirement that we live by faith. Four times, beginning in Habakkuk, four times and three times in the New Testament, God says the just shall live by faith. There's a requirement. If I'm a child of God, I must live by faith. The just shall live by faith. There's a requirement. There's a refusal of faith. See, I'm not gonna live that way. My Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter number six, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. So I said, I'm not gonna live by faith. Well, then I'm, I'm refusing to live by faith and I am consequently rejecting what God's plan is for my life. God's plan is I get up tomorrow and live by faith. God's plan is I go to bed tonight by faith. And I see the requirement of faith, the refusal of faith, I find the reward of faith. The Bible says, for he that cometh to God, Hebrews eleven six, must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How? Chapter 11 is by faith. And so we see the requirement of faith, the refusal of faith, the reward of faith. I see the rebellion in faith. The Bible says, Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. If I walk my life and make my decisions on my fears and on my emotions and my anger and my bitterness and my carnality, the Bible says that I am rejecting God's plan for my life 
and whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Number four, number five, the request of faith. Chapter 17 in this text, uh, the, the chapter before this, cha- verse, verse before, verse five, Lord, the disciples said, increase our faith. I want a growing faith. I want an increasing faith. I want to have more faith this week than I did last week. I want to look back and say I had more faith in 2019 than I did in 2018. I want to press on the upward way and new heights I'm gaining every day. And then I receive the, see the regrets of the faithless. You know, one of the greatest regrets I have in myself is that I did not have more faith in God. And I think one of the qualities that God's given to me, I have great faith. I've said that many times, I don't say it with arrogancy. I just have great faith. I believe God can, but with that great faith comes great fear. And sometimes I can have some great, 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 great faith. I can believe, I, I, I know, I know I believe God for this building. I know I did for years and years. We prayed and begged God for this building and God gave us a 3,000 seat auditorium and by faith it all happened. But I tell you, when we were building, I had great fear. I came back, Brother Fenera, many times and walking here and just drug on and on and got it more expensive. I said, Lord, what have I done? Why did we do this? Why did I lead the people in this project? We were building a building at the other property where the Spanish ministry is meeting tonight. And they're great services, they're preaching over there. And I'll never forget, in 1981, we broke ground for that new building. And I had a big old sign out front on the property and we, we met in a tent for two years. It was an amazing time. We had an outside baptistry, it was an incredible time. We had no parking stalls, not one, and we grew through that entire time. And I said to the church, there was a board, it said it's gonna cost for the 32,000 square foot building we're building, $550,000. And it cost double that. One point, actually two million. And I said, we're gonna finish it in 52, 52 weeks. And it took 104 weeks, exactly. I remember coming to the church, I said, I'm so sorry. I don't know if, I really didn't, I don't know if you'd vote me out or what. If you look at pictures in this hallway up here, there's pictures of all 44 years of the history of the church. And if you look in 1981, I had hair. And in 1983, two years later, I had no hair. You did it to me. <laughs> no, my great faith did it, I had great faith. But oh, in those days, brother heaven, I had such great fear. I was so sleepless. What have I done? Lord, why did I do this? I did this just in my flesh. I know I did. And I tried to undo, never undo and doubt what God caused you to do by faith. And I go through those times. And I've been through those times. And you have too. Tonight, I want you to know that God wants me to live my life by faith. Here's what the things I say. I've pastored here a long time. We lose our job. Almost the first words out of someone's mouth, I lost my job, we're moving. Well, maybe you're supposed to move, but that should be your first response. Well, I I waited two hours. (laughs) Well, maybe you ought to wait more than two days. Why is our first response, 
I, 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 I can't get another job here. You can't get a job in Silicon Valley. We lose our houses all the time. Well, we can't get a house, we're moving. Well, maybe that will be God's will. I'm discouraged, I quit. My son is a prodigal, my daughter's a prodigal. I can't continue to come to church. I feel, feel so ashamed, I'm done. What about faith? Faith to bring it back home. Your prodigal will never come back when you leave God's house, this is home. I want you to know tonight, tonight that, that, that uh, we, we have a problem in the Sunday school and the bus and the security and the school and the college and the music and, and it's, it's like, see you later. What about faith to believe that God will work it out? We have a marriage problem. And so then we say things, well, we're leaving. I'm not being fed at this church and no one likes me at this church. Or we blame the church or we blame the area or we blame society. What about faith to believe that God can restore your marriage? Faith in God. This text, it came off the page to me this past week. I've preached the text before. I know the text, you know the text, 10 lepers. And I went back in my mind and I always, when I read of leprosy, I go back to that leper colony where I stood and saw all those dear people in that leper colony. It was such a sad moment in my life. I'd never seen anything like that. And I can envision how these people, uh, a lot of times the lepers were looked at as Oscarine and we don't watch in our city. We don't watch in our area. You have nothing good to offer. We don't want to touch you. We don't want to be around you. And here they sit. And the Bible says in chapter number 11, and it came to pass as they went to Jerusalem, Jesus is going to that great city called Jerusalem. Watch what he does. He passed in the midst of Samaria. What a dump. What a terrible city, Samaria. It's about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. The Samaritans, the Jews would not look at them. The Jews would just as soon spit on them. If the Jew was walking down the street and a Samaritan was there, they would cross the street and walk on the other side. I'm not gonna pass a Samaritan. I'm not gonna be near a Samaritan. The Samaritans, what they called, the Jews called them, were half-breeds. They were Assyrians and Jews, and they mingled those two countries together and had offspring. And thus they were called Samaritans. And Jesus said, I believe I'll go through that city. He could have gone around it like many of the Jews would. They would not pass through Samaria. But he said, I want to make sure that I go through that city. You know, God may send you on your journey this week past some place where someone just might need you. It might be an awful situation. It might be that I don't like hospitals and I'm not gonna go to that emergency room, but God may just want you in that emergency room this week. There might be someone that's there that needs you and needs the message of salvation of Jesus Christ that he'll save their sorry soul. That might be that, that some drunk comes through your way that has nothing to offer you and it, it smells and it stinks or whatever the case might be, but you know, perhaps, God wants you to go through Samaria this week. 
It's out of my way. I want to go this way, but God wants you to go this way. I say always listen to the voice of God. I'm not as good a Christian as you think I am, but I try to pray so often. Lord, I can have so many different ways to go in this place. What way do you want me to go? What, what way, maybe, 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 just maybe I'll witness an accident and I'll be able to stop the car. I recall a couple years ago that I came and I was going down Lafayette, just past under Montague, and I was going this way and just all of a sudden in front of me there was an awful accident. And I had already passed through, but I went to the, the next light and I was flipping a U-turn to come back. And already people were there, they're pulling people out of this single truck accident. And they're pulling people out. And I felt so impressed. Go and lean your head inside. There was one more stuck. Go and ask, ask that person about their soul and their eternal destiny. It was a 16-year-old girl. And I convinced myself there's so many people there right now, I don't need to stop. That little girl died right there in that intersection, in that truck. Our Spanish ministry had the service, that mother got saved, the family got saved, but I wonder always about that little girl. I wonder I was supposed to tell her of the love of God and I missed it. God's gonna put people in our path this week people that need what we have. Oh, ever be mindful and keep your eyes open and listen and watch. How can I help? How can I be an assistant? And here these 10 lepers, notice in verse number, verse number 12, they entered in a certain village. There met them 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar. Don't you hurt for people like this? Don't you just hurt? When you see people laying in the gutter and maybe no teeth, don't you? I say, well, it's your own fault. I, and maybe it probably is, but there's still people. And you imagine being the leper. We gotta stand back here. They don't want us around their family. They didn't ask for leprosy. It came and invaded their lives. They would begin to lose their digits and lose their ankles and lose their butt limbs. And there they were, standing afar off, because we can't, we can't bother even the people in our city. They don't want us in our city. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Pastor, have mercy on them, by the way. He's the only one that can help. I know my phone all week long. I get messages on it. Sometimes God bless you public school teachers out of this ministry here. Say, here's what's going on in the school today. And it breaks my heart. Some of the things I hear these kids having to live through. And I just think how many of our kids in this country are calling out, would you someone, could someone just have mercy on me? I love it, Brother Evan and Brother David Russ. I love it when you bring those bus kids over here. A second how they sit up here. They're always so kind. I never have to call them down. They listen so carefully, like our kids in our ministry here. I'm so proud of these kids, but I'm also proud of them. I love the bus kids. They've developed this saying, well, 
I look up there and they'll wave and I get up there and I will shake hands with all of them. They just move my heart. A lot of them come from very difficult situations and I'm wondering if they're crying out, bus, bus driver, stop the bus. Will you have mercy on me? I want to say, in some cases, I want to get out of the house this morning. Mother came home drunk last night. Daddy, daddy's in jail. Would you just have mercy on me? And we run the buses to now over one point, almost I think Brother Flood, you said 1.4, 1.5 million riders in these years. And it's everywhere. We all, on our staff, we pass so many tracks. We hear it every time we're out. We heard it many times this week. I rode the bus. I got saved on the bus. I know where North Valley Baptist Church. I remember the things in the park. One guy said this past week, yesterday someone was with me, he said, hey, Bruno's still coming to church. He was my bus captain. I'm looking for Bruno. He's not even here tonight. Where's Bruno tonight? He's here somewhere. He's always here. He never misses. Mrs. Bruno's here. I'm talking about the fact, it said, have mercy. Watch it, verse 14 is our verse. I'm getting there. And when he saw them, may we become Christ-like. Jesus took time to look for needs. Everywhere he went, he looked and he saw a widow. There's Bruno back there. I heard your snoring, but I didn't know where it was coming from, Bruno. There it is right there. You're not in your spot. You know, when people get, begin to move around the church, they're normally backslidden. They're ready to walk out the church. And you drew your, you drug the girls back there too. Shame on you, brother. You're all right. And here he is. He, he sees and he saw them. And he sent it to them. What's that next word, church? In verse number 14, and when he saw them, he said unto them, what? Did he say anything about healing? No. Go. Get a move on. They're crying out for mercy. You know, he says, go and show yourselves unto the priest. That's taken from Leviticus 13 and 14. It's an incredible two passages. I preached about it years ago in this church that whenever your leper had leprosy, he'd always have to go see the priest. And the priest would then go examine the house. And they found that in the house, if, uh, when there's leprosy, you have to sweep the house and cleanse the house. And then you have to scrape the house, the Bible says. And then you have to tear down the house if you just can't get rid of it. And God always had him go see the priest. You know, I'm not, I'm not the Pope. And I don't have all the answers, but we have so many pastors here in our staff and virtuous women. Go see a pastor. Come and see me. You have a problem. You have a leprosy. You have something that's affecting your life. Get help. Find someone that can help you. Find someone who can keep it private to the, you and them, and they can go to God in prayer and pray with you about it and visit with you about it and take your burden to the Lord. And so many times at night, Miss Trevor knows this is true as we pray together at night. Some of your needs are coming up every single night in our prayer life as we pray for you and for sometimes your marriage and sometimes your children and sometimes your kids are away from God. We want to do that. That's, that's, that's our heart desire to do that. We love the people of God here. 
and you have a need, that means we have a need. And Jesus said, go, go, show yourself unto the priest. Watch it, we're getting where I'm going. And it came to pass. Three words. Say those next three words. Are you ready? Begin. As Still no healing. Still no healing. Go! And they got up. Uh, they were standing. They, they got moving. And they just went. As they went. The foundation of faith is always obedience. I want us to hear that because that's where I'm going in these last few moments. The foundation of faith is always obey. We always obey. We obey what the word of God says. We just obey it. We just obey it. We obey every spiritual impulse and that impulse is not an emotion. It is the Holy Spirit of God that's saying, don't say that. I think you'd be shocked how many times in our marriage, I would believe that my wife won't say something when she wants to. And I know in my own life, even with my own mate, there's so many times I know the Spirit of God silences my mouth. I don't need to say that. It will not be helpful. It may be critical. I can't say it. The Spirit of God say, don't. I don't want to dump criticism on her. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to hurt her life. And I want to obey, I want to obey the Spirit of God when he says, don't do that, Jack. Don't say that. There are some prayers I don't pray with her because I don't believe God wants her to know those prayers. Those are some things that I need to carry. And I know she says some things to God and has some prayers that Jack Treber doesn't need to know, though the two of us become one. She has some things on her heart. They're a burden to her heart. They're a need. She may have promised you, some of you ladies, I'll pray for you specifically. And I don't need to know all those things. When the Spirit of God tells you to do something, Jack, pull your car over and speak to that. I didn't know it was a girl in there. That 16-year-old, I didn't know it was a Speak to that little girl, Cindy. I didn't know her name. But I later found out, speak to her. And if I had gone there, I may have just reached her in time. But I said, no. They have a lot of help. I'll confuse things. The police were not there yet. It just had happened. I should have obeyed the Spirit of God. I go through that intersection. That's the same intersection when she was a high school senior, Joy Advernada, now Matthews, had an accident right there. And I remember coming on that thing and pulled over and got on, uh, on the side of the road and helped her as I could. You know, I wish I would have just obeyed God. I get to that intersection regular throughout the week and I always think I missed it right here. Right by that pole, right there is where that little girl died. And I had an opportunity to tell that leper, that girl that had a need, that girl was just getting ready to step on the other side. And I said, no, the Spirit of God. You know that faith is always obeying God. It's obedience. And the Bible says, as they went, they, referring to all ten of them. What's the next two words? 
were cleansed. Cleansing did not come first. Obedience came first. And God is going to place in your path this week, and God's going to place in my path an opportunity to obey. And we will either obey or we reject. God's going to put the opportunity in my path this week to forgive someone. Someone that may have done me wrong. And God's going to say, Jack, I want you to forgive that person. God's going to put in the path of my life this week an opportunity to say to someone, I am so sorry. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? God is going to place in my path this week the opportunity, Jack, Jack, Jack. Slow down, son. Slow down. Don't be so reactionary. Slow down. Slow down. And I can either obey God, cleansing, victory comes always after obedience. These 10 lepers were healed. Stop the carnality this week. God's going to say, humble yourself, son. Humble, humble yourself, Jack Traber. Humble yourself. And I'll have a choice to reject or obey. Obedience is always the first step on the road to faith. And if I don't live by faith, I can't please God. For the just shall live by faith. And he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him by faith. I cannot please God without faith. And if I cannot please God without faith, then I'm going to have to start with my life. I must learn, obey the scriptures, obey every single time there's an opportunity in my life to seal my lip, be quiet before God, be still before man, and ask for forgiveness or not allow bitterness to grow in my heart. And I face it just like you face it. I haven't arrived in my Christian life. I battle this old flesh on a daily basis. You have a marriage problem. Start with obedience. God says, thou shalt, God says, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. Love is that commitment to meet every need that person has. Do we love that wife? Do we love that husband? Why are we so quick to go, I'm gonna go, I'm going to the, I'm getting me a lawyer, I'm divorcing that woman. Why don't we fulfill the Bible first? Why don't we just obey the Bible first? You're having a money problem. Well, why don't we obey God first? Let me say these six statements, and lest you think it's gonna be long, I'll say them real quickly. They all begin with the letter F. What hinders faith? Fear, family, friends, foes, both man and Satan, finances, and failure. When I'm, I, I can't do that by faith. I'm a, I'm a, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll fail. I'm, I'm too embarrassed. I can't do that because my family will not like what I'm doing. I can't do that because of my foe. I can't do that because of my fears. And consequently, we resign ourselves. I cannot please God by faith. What well, helps me build my faith? And I promise you, I'll seek to be done. I'm already 
three minutes later than I want it to be. What helps build my faith? The Holy Scriptures. I'll give you some H's here. The Holy Scriptures. This book will build your faith. This book, as you read it and study it, my faith was built so much on just these little, little three words today, as they went, this week, as they went, as they went. I got thinking they, they were cleansed after they went, after they obeyed, because faith, and it's always faith, and he says that, verse number 19, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. What builds my faith? What helps my faith? The Holy Scriptures, the Heavenly Father. He loves me like I was only, his only child. The Holy Scriptures, the Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can build my faith and give me boldness where I'm weak. History can build my faith. What God did in the past, he could do it again. I'm always amazed the feeding of the 5,000. And those people that witnessed that, two chapters later, they said, there's 4,000. We don't think God can feed 4,000. Did you forget the feeding of the 5,000 just two chapters before? Yes. I know I could, I know I've lived here a long time now, four and a half decades. I could tell you for hours stories of victories from the history of the past of this church. That God did it. And I won't tonight tell you even one. God did that. You know, so often as I grow in grace and I feel like I have more faith today than I did. 44 years ago, it's because I look back to my God in ages past. Brother Sly, I hope for years to come. God, God did it here. If God could do it here, why can't he do it again? And I get over here, I said, well, I don't know. Yes, there was the feeding of the 5,000, but now we've got four. I don't, I don't know if he could do it again. I've watched God through the years raise up this person to be a help to the church and then raise up this person to be an asset to the church in many areas, different areas of the ministry. And God's always done it. And if God could do it in the past, he could do it in the present and the future. And so I just go back to history and then I go back to heroes. I'll tell you what builds my faith, the heroes of the faith. That's why Hebrews 11 means so much to me. Adoniram Judson was that great missionary that went to, first American missionary and went to Burma. And in Burma, he was translating the Bible so the Burmese people would have a Bible in their own tongue. Churches were growing, things were going, it was amazing. They came and arrested him put them in a bamboo prison. There was filth. They never cleaned it. People were living in the stench of their own filth. It was vile, it was hot, it was humid. They took 32 pounds of iron and chained his legs together in that hot, humid, bamboo jail cell of filth. It was vile. It was nauseous. 32 pounds on his ankles. And a fellow prisoner said, hey, Judson, Judson, how are the prospects of freedom now? 
How are the prospects of freedom now, Judson? And he said, the prospects are as bright as the promises of God. That's faith. I'll give you the last H. Hear his voice. Obey his voice. These lepers obey. I'll give you one more heritage. I look what God has done for my father-in-law and my sweet mother-in-law who's been gone 49 years now. I look what God did for my mother and dad. And if God in the heritage could do that in their generation, God could do it again. Tonight I... I look at the ministry and I want a ministry where God one day said, Jack, you live by faith. Son, you live by faith. I'm going to ask you to just trust God also. And I want you to pray that I'd be one of those Christians that I can learn to just trust God. Faith is not that God works it all the way just exactly how I want it but it works it out the way he wants and I have faith to believe that he's still right. I closed my Bible. Remember the old building? We'd sing this little chorus. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God for the victory. Have faith in God. What, what is needed, young people, this week and adults and children and teens it's just believing and confidence totally, God, that my Lord knows the way through the wilderness. Some of you are going through a wilderness experience right now. There's no hope. There's no answers. You're his child. I promise you he'll give you an answer. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.